Hello, and welcome to the Building Your Path podcast. This podcast records the stories of those who have achieved their own form of success in their respective fields. Today, we have Mr. Michael Perinal, the Director of Advisory for U.S. Operations at Uniball Rodam Co. Westfield and current professor at the University of Southern California. Please enjoy. So thank you very much for uh, being here with us today. Oh, it is definitely my pleasure, Armin. I am excited to speak with you, and I'm excited to share my insights and experiences with your listeners. Thank you very much. And so what would be your definition of success? Great opening question. I think that this is a question that is very personal and is very specific to each individual, right? And for me, I think success includes both small and big steps that we take in order to live our most authentic life, right? And our most fulfilled life. We live in a society where we only celebrate the big triumphs, the big moments, and we're so focused on that. And that's how most of us define success. But honestly, for me, the small, quiet steps that we take in order to pursue a career or an interest that we would like to pursue, those are successes that we should start celebrating. And so um, you were talking about the idea of moving forward with um, taking little steps rather than, um, I guess, valuing big goals or like big accomplishments. Can you elaborate on what you uh, meant by that? Sure. I think that we as a society, especially now in social media, we tend to really compare ourselves a lot with what we see our peers are sharing on Instagram, on Facebook, and Obviously, what they share are big moments, big celebrations, a new job, a promotion, moving to a different country, adventures. And we think to ourselves that, hey, you know, unless I have those things, then I'm falling behind and I'm losing out or missing out. And then we feel bad about ourselves. But what we need to remind ourselves, and at least what I do to remind myself is that, you know, those aren't all of what should be defined as success. Yes, it's great to be promoted, to have a new job, to advance in your career, but there are a lot of quiet, unheralded moments, not shared in social media, that really are the small steps that get us closer and closer to what it is that we want to achieve. And that's why I think every single step that you take to improve yourself, even if it doesn't immediately translate into a promotion or to a career advancement, is really success in, in, its, in its simplest form because you're really making your way towards whatever it is that you want to pursue in life. And that's what I meant by constantly moving. And celebrating simple, small moments. Do you believe that someone should have only one goal throughout their entire life? Or do you think this is something that adapts over time? Oh, I definitely think that we as evolving individuals, maturing, growing individuals have this moving target of what our goals are. I mean, I don't know about you, Armin, but when I was young, I had a different goal and a different sense of what I wanted to achieve compared to what I want to achieve now. And so to your question, I don't think that we should be beholden to our initial definition of success or what we set out as goals, because that will change. 
more and more experiences, more and more information that you get will allow you to realize what it is that you really want to achieve. And you shouldn't feel bad or you shouldn't fear a pivot in your career. I personally have had experienced many pivots in my career, but that's part of growing up. That's part of life. And that's part of really understanding what it is that you want to achieve and what your purpose is. Was this ideology exposed to you by your uh, parents? It definitely comes a lot from my upbringing. I come from a family of six. I am the youngest. My parents are first generation immigrants to the United States, and they were living a very comfortable life in the Philippines, but they wanted a better and brighter future for all their kids. And so at an advanced age of about 40s, they decided to uproot themselves, leave behind a really comfortable life in the Philippines to start anew here in the United States. And I saw firsthand how my parents studied again and put themselves through relearning skills in order to provide for the family and a better future so that I and my siblings could attend school and have the resources so that we can be successful in our own endeavors. And so to your point, Armin, my perspective now and my philosophy about success and constantly evolving comes from the fact that my parents were constantly evolving and embraced the changes in their own lives so that I can be where I am at today. And so you're talking about how your uh, parents essentially uprooted themselves when they came here. Could you maybe uh, touch upon a little bit of like the um, an immigrant's life coming to the U.S., how they have to uh, find out where to get their careers from, their certifications, um, uh, that sort of field? Yes, I think that the beauty here in the United States is that if you're willing to work hard, you can be successful. And my family is a testament to that. When my parents came to the United States, my dad is an engineer. Of course, to be able to work as an engineer in the U.S., he had to be recertified. And he had to go through the exams to be a licensed engineer in the United States. And I saw how he went through that and how he persevered, basically starting from scratch. And you can imagine someone who is in his 40s or in his 50s trying to relearn the codes, electrical, mechanical, engineering codes of a different country in order to practice a career that he has been practicing since he was in his early 20s. So that in itself was a challenge. And my mom, who never used to work, obviously had to support my dad to be able to live comfortably and provide for us. And so my mom, from having an, an AB in literature from the Philippines, eventually started to look into careers in nursing because that's something that, number one, he she loves to work with people and also was something that you could definitely do in order to help provide for the family. And so at her age, she went to nursing school and became a nurse. So for immigrants, it really is a story of perseverance and a story of hard work to make it to a place where you provide a comfortable life for, for your family in the U.S. So it seemed that there was a big focus on education in your life. Was this seen uh, throughout your time in high school? 
there is definitely a big focus on education in my life because I saw firsthand, again, with my parents, how education allowed them to provide the kind of life that we have as a family. Also, I personally love to learn. I'm very curious. I always want to develop my skills. And even when I was younger, even before high school, when I was in grade school, I already was interested in many different things. I was a very curious kid. Uh, one point, I would write essays because I thought I would want to be a writer. And then at some point, I would learn about airplanes because I also wanted to be a pilot. And then having joined a debate club in high school, I realized that, hey, I probably could be a lawyer just because I love arguing with people and my professors and my teachers. And so all of these things added up to really making me interested in different, different things in life. And so that is really a way for me to educate myself, to inform myself of possible career paths when I go to college and eventually start my own career. When you were in high school, what were some uh, methods that you used to try and scope out what you were really interested in, what you're really passionate about? Great question. Now, Armin, you'd have to forgive me because it's been, what, three decades since I was in high school. So I really tried to think back as to what I did. I was, you know, high school, what, you're a teenager. So um, a part of the time you are hanging out, catching up with friends, trying not to get caught by your parents, leaving your house and partying, and the other time focusing on school. But I think for me, I joined different organizations. I joined different clubs. I joined different activities to really scope out, as you said, what it is that I'm interested in. Debate was something that I truly enjoyed. I joined the debate club and I really fell in love with communication and argumentation and negotiation. So that part of it was helpful in ultimately deciding that I wanted to pursue law as a career. At the same time, I joined a lot of extracurricular activities. I was very active in swimming. I was very active in other types of sports because I have that type of energy that I need to be active in order to stay energized and feel productive. And so I also made sure that that was a part of my daily routine in, in high school. And again, that informs your interests and your desires as you mature. And so walk me through your college journey because you have a very extensive one. <laughs> yes, I mean, what I always say is that I went to different schools and pursued different degrees just because I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> That's what I would jokingly say to people. But honestly, I am a learner. I love to learn. And before I went and pursued my degrees in university, I thought to myself, what is it that I think I'm really interested in? And so when I graduated high school, I thought that 
hey, I want to be a corporate lawyer. And to be a good corporate lawyer, you need to have a great understanding of business. And so I wanted to do as my pre-law degree something in business. And what better way to do that than to major in accounting? And so that was my thought process. I thought if I understand accounting, I'll be able to understand the business, which is absolutely true. So when I finished my undergraduate degree in accounting at the Block School, I then decided I wanted to specialize more in an area of business that is challenging and technical. And I got a scholarship from the University of Southern California's Marshall School, the MBT program, Master's in Business Taxation. And I learned about tax law, tax theory, and tax planning, which is very complex. And that satisfied really my desire to learn more about policies. Again, with that idea in mind that, hey, law and policies will inform my career later on as a lawyer. After graduating from USC, I then worked for a little bit at Deloitte because obviously you can't just be studying all, you know, all the time. You have bills to pay. And at some point you have to start earning money. And so I worked at Deloitte in LA. And then during that time, I would try to get engaged in projects that I was interested in, especially in finance and corporate affairs, because those are the things that I would pursue in law. So I always had that in mind. What steps am I taking now that will allow me to be a better law school student and eventually a lawyer in the area that I'm interested in? And then after that, I went to Wharton and the University of Pennsylvania to do my joint JD MBA program. I focused on finance and capital markets while I was there. And after graduating from Wharton and Penn, I moved to London and worked as a capital markets lawyer, as I've always imagined and dreamed of. So that made me really happy. And then eventually also went to Oxford in order to further my uh, trans transnational law um, knowledge. And became admitted to practice law in England and Wales as well. So I know that was a very long story about what my educational path was, but um, that's the path that I took. And I'm actually very happy that I, I all pursued that. Do you believe that certain people are um, more adept to certain uh, fields or careers? Or do you think that if someone puts their mind to it, they'll be able to accomplish whatever field that they're truly passionate about? Wow, that is a great question. I think I would preface that question a little bit differently. I think that a person can try to do the work that if they put their minds into it, right? You can definitely do the work. But the question is, can you do the work effectively? And can you do the work well? And can you do that work at that high level throughout a period of time? That I think is the important question because people, if they set their minds to it, of course can accomplish a goal, but can they sustain it? And you can only sustain that if you really are passionate and truly engaged and involved. That means you have to be truly interested in it to continue to deliver high quality work and high quality performance. I know a lot of people who can achieve a lot and really work through it and put their minds in it, but they get burned out. 
because their heart is not in it. And if your heart is not in it, no matter how you put your mind, how hard you put your mind into the work, it will be very hard for you to maintain that level of success. So I think that it, it's one thing to be adept. It's one thing to be competent, but it is more important to be passionate about what it is that you're doing, because that will carry you through your entire career. And as you're saying, most of your education was on scholarships. So mm -hmm. what is your view on the uh, substantial uh, cost of education, especially in the United States? I mean, Armand, you nailed it on the head. I think it's too expensive to pursue education here in the United States. I'm glad that we have community colleges that allow for two-year degrees that then allow young individuals to then start their career. I think that's great. Having been exposed to the educational systems in Europe, particularly in Germany, where they have apprenticeships, at such a young age, they expose students to different industries and careers. They start earning while they're developing the skills. So at a very young age, they have that earning potential. And the cost to graduate with these skills and these degrees is really a fraction of what we have to pay here in the United States. So I believe that the cost is too much for young students to get a four-year degree here in the U.S. And that's why, personally, I had to seek out scholarships and fellowships in order to finance my way through all of this education. And so during your college experience, uh, were there any major um, hardships that you ended up having to deal with? Well, definitely plenty, I would say. I think that these challenges and hardships are really what makes you who you are. It really creates and develops the person in you. And personally, in my experience, I've had plenty. Number one, having to move away from my family in order to go to school in the East Coast. That is a challenge. I come from a very tight-knit family. So you can imagine being the youngest child and then moving out. That in itself is an emotional challenge that you have to endure in order to pursue a career or an education that you want to pursue. So that's one. Also, when I moved to the East Coast, I didn't have my parents to pay my bills. I have to make sure that I pay my electricity bills. I have to make sure that I had enough money in order to allow me to, you know, have fun, also meet my obligations as a student at the university. So being financially um, responsible is also a challenge that you will need to face at some point in time in your careers. And I did that. And moving overseas is one thing that I think adds another layer. I moved to London on my own. Good thing, right? London also in the UK is an English speaking city, an English speaking country. So the language barrier wasn't um, there. But then when I moved to Germany, I had to learn German in order to be able to move around and converse and work. And so that was another challenge, living in a different environment, different culture, different language. And all of these challenges 
were unique to my situation, but I know that for some of your listeners, for many of your listeners, they will find themselves in similar situations where they have to, you know, either be away from their family or will be immersed in a new environment. And that's what makes your experience really worth it because that allows you to grow faster than you can ever imagine. Was your um, education intuitive? Like, uh, is this something that when you were first exposed to it, like as you were saying, um, your bachelor's degree in accounting, did this feel like immediately right to you or did you have to struggle and work through to see if this was really meant for you? Oh, I did. I did struggle in order to figure out whether or not this is the path that I really want to take. Because for many of us, I don't know about you, Armin, but for myself in particular, my idea of what I wanted to pursue was heavily influenced by the people closest to me, particularly my parents, right? Growing up, you'll hear your parents say, why don't you pursue this? Why don't you do accounting? I think you'll be a great accountant or a great uh, lawyer and things like that. And so you grow up with this idea of what you think you like. And I remember distinctly when I took my first accounting class and got my first accounting midterm grade and I did horribly. And I thought to myself, there is no way I will become an accountant if this introduction to financial accounting class is being very difficult to me. And I persevered through it. As you know, accounting is a very counter, it's not intuitive as a language, but it makes sense after you understand the concepts behind it. So eventually I persevered through those challenging first few assessments and finally were able to start putting in the pieces together and started to actually enjoy it. And you know, Armin, since uh, we were together in financial accounting that now I teach financial accounting at USC, which really puts a smile on my face because I'm happy I persevered through it. And I'm happy that I then had a career in accounting that I thoroughly enjoyed. And so you're talking about how your main career now is essentially in accounting and law. And what are maybe some specific parts of those fields that you really resonate with and enjoy? I love, and I, I, I don't, uh, I don't take this lightly, the fact that as the director of advisory for the U.S. operations for Westfield or the Westfield malls in the U.S., I'm able to marry my accounting and business background with my law degree because as director of advisory, I advise both the finance and legal teams on how to structure different business initiatives and different deals. And that's what gets me really excited because you get to really provide a holistic advice to the business on not only the most efficient way to pursue a project, but also the most compliant, legally compliant way to go about it. And that adds a lot of value to the organization. And having that feeling and this is not just true to me, but I know this to be true for every single professional. When you leave the door of your company, of your office at night, and you feel that you've really truly added value to the organization, that's what makes you really fulfilled and keeps you coming back to do the work every day. And that I think is what makes me the most excited about my current role now. And what would a... Uh... Just a day in the life 
of someone in your position be, would be like? Oh, great question. A day in the life, no day is the same. No day is identical because in my position now, I would have, and this is what I do, maybe di different people do it differently, of course, but the night before I go to work, let's say it's Sunday evening and it's Monday morning, uh, it's going to be Monday the next day. That evening before um, uh, that Sunday night, I think about all the things that I want to do the next day. So I keep a mental list of all the projects, emails that I need to respond to and projects that I need to accomplish. And then you come into work and that go all goes out of the window <laughs> because there are fires that need to be put out. There are more urgent advice that you need to give to the company. And a day in my life as a director at URW is very fluid because you need to be flexible and agile to address these different situations that come out of nowhere for the most part. If I were to describe my day, I would say 60, and this is unfortunate, but 60% of the time I will find myself in meetings. And so this is a shout out to all the professionals out there who find themselves in meetings all day. It's a problem, I think, that a lot of professionals have to deal with is that you have all of this work, but then you all have you have all of these meetings that you have to attend. Um, and so for those young professionals too, or students who are listening, you have that to look forward to when you graduate. I hope and I pray that there will be a more efficient way of meetings in the future. Zoom is a great way now when we can do meetings remotely, but I think there's just too many meetings in my role. I have too many meetings every day and I wish there was less, but maybe 50 to 60% of my time is meeting with people. And then the 20 to 30% of the time would actually be doing the work, the planning, the writing down the notes, the structuring, the modeling that happens uh, for the business. And then the 10% would be mentoring and learning. I think there's a lot of professional development that goes in a lot of organizations that one needs to take advantage of and you need to set aside time for that as a professional. So that's how I would describe it. And you've said that you enjoy going through complex problems, even if they require a lot of mental gymnast, uh, uh, gymnastics. What would be an example of a problem that you truly enjoyed solving and finding the correct process to overcome? Oh, great question. And one thing that comes to mind was during the pandemic. Uh, I work in the real estate, commercial real estate industry since I work for the malls, the Westfield malls. And during the pandemic, all the malls closed as mandated by the different state and local governments. And so you can imagine a lot of our tenants and our revenues primarily come from tenant rent payments, right? And so when our tenants had to close restaurants, shops, they didn't have the cash to help pay for their rents and obviously we wanted to maintain a relationship with our tenants so that when we are back in business they can say hey you know what our landlord Westfield helped us through this very trying times during the pandemic and so what I had to do and what my team had to do was to look at the legislation that was being passed by the federal government I'm sure you heard about the CARES Act, which was the COVID relief that allowed 
businesses to, especially small businesses, to borrow money from the government to protect their business and to have the cash to pay their payroll and other operating expenses. So we teamed up with our tenants to help them get their applications approved for them to get the money from the federal government. And that was such an immense project, but such a vital collaboration and partnership that we did with our tenants that ultimately now those tenants are very happy with our relationship because we helped them through that. So that's a complex project that I had to undergo. It was unexpected because no one expected that we would have we would go through the pandemic. It was complicated because we had to learn this new legislation, this new law that was passed in order to then help our partners, our tenants to stay in business. And ultimately, the best part is that you were able to help these businesses save jobs and continue employing thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And that makes me feel really good about the work that I do. I mean, yeah, and that sounds wonderful. And so I was wondering, how does this all tie in with you being a professor? (laughs) Great question. And you know what? Wouldn't it be a waste? Wouldn't it be a shame if I had all of these experiences, all of these insights, and I'm not able to share it with young, enterprising people like yourself, right? I think that I am where I am now because of the knowledge and the expertise that my professors and mentors shared with me while I was in school. And I could find no better way to give back than to do the same thing, to share what I learned and what I am learning in my work with people like yourself, people who have very high potential to succeed in business and to actually make a difference. And believe me, leaving a classroom after a long day at USC is the most fulfilling feeling I've ever had because I know that I was able to share that knowledge and expertise with the next set of leaders that will run the country. So I I know that sounds cliche and kind of very cheesy, <laughs> but it is true. I, I can't lie. That is really my motivation why I wanted to teach. And what would maybe be a final piece of advice for those students who are still really trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives? Take your time. Take your time. This is not a sprint. There's no one rushing you to figure out what it is that you really want to do. A lot of what you need to be doing now is exposing yourself to different things and different areas that you might be interested in. Because your idea of what you might want to do is probably at this point still very narrow and very limited to your experiences. But while you're in school, take the classes that you're interested in, you know, take a drama class, you know, take a communications class, take, if you're in business, take a class in philosophy or political science, anything that interests you, because that might be where your true calling is. So be open to new experiences and also make sure that you start building your relationships because I truly believe that the path to success is paved with people. 
And you'll never know where your next opportunity, the next door will open for you. It might come from a mentor, a colleague, a friend. If you nurture these relationships, you're opening yourself up to much more possibilities in the future. So network and build those relationships as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Professor, for coming on and sharing your experiences. No problem. I'm happy to share it with you and the rest of your audience. This is such an engaging podcast. I'm happy to be a guest. And again, I'm wishing everyone listening to your podcast all the best as they try to figure out what it is that they want to achieve and also think about what it means for them to be successful. Again, thank you very much, very much Professor. I'll see you next time. All right. Have a good day.